Hi, this is Philip Holland, host of Hope for the Day. I'm so excited that you are listening and you have this to look forward to from today's message. The third symbol of Jesus' relationship to the church is of a groom who loves his bride. Again, a very visible thing that is seen. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. That's what, that's how he views the church with that kind of love. Welcome to Hope for the Day with Pastor Philip Holland. Worship, prayer, reading your Bible, serving others, and attending church regularly are all practices that we as followers of Christ strive to incorporate into our daily lives. It is through building habits like these that we are able to stay firm in our faith, trust in God, and live the life that He calls us to live. These habits will help us cast aside anxieties of this world so that we might experience more of the peace of heaven. In this series entitled Holy Habits, we'll focus on developing these holy habits for our lives so that we might have a deeper connection with God. Please enjoy the message. Uh, getting into the sermon now, as I've kind of alluded to already, um, our church is going well. Like, there's just some great things happening. And so today's sermon, as we're finishing up this series on holy habits, is meant to help you, encourage you to want to be a part of a church, to get yourself plugged into a church, to make church more of a priority in your life. Yes, I know that you can miss one or two or three Sundays here or there, and you're completely fine. But I'm telling you, if you miss it for three, four, or five months and you're not connected, it's going to have an effect on you in a variety of different ways. Mainly, you're going to get more discipled by the world than you are by the Lord, if that is you. And so there's great things happening here at Valley View. Um, just year over year, I was just looking at the numbers this past week. 20, we have 20% more people attending our church now than we did last July. And that's just looking at July to July, which is amazing. That means that people are, are learning about Jesus. They're learning the truth from the scriptures. Um, hopefully they're being encouraged by the worship. Life change. We got one of those videos that we're going to show for you in a second. We just had an amazing baptism at our last service. Great stuff going on here. We'll, we'll have 20 or more baptisms this year that are going to take place. We're sent, we've sent more kids to camp than we've ever sent before. We're going to send 60, 70 kids that went away to all the variety of camps that we have, plus all the kids we hosted on, on site here. We've got more mission trips this year than we've ever had before. And all of that is meant to make Jesus known. We're doing that to make Jesus known into the world. But this isn't where we stop. And so, yeah, we may have 20 or 30 baptisms in a year, but, but we want to have 100 200 baptisms in a year where people are just again having their lives changed by Jesus and they're expressing it in baptism. We, I love that we're sending dozens of people on mission trips over the course of the next year. Wouldn't well, it be great whenever we can have offered dozens of trips that people can go on and however many people that ends up being. It's wonderful whenever you see classrooms filling up and, and we're starting to have to add services as we're going to do in the fall. It's just, those are great things for God's kingdom. But not everybody thinks that. Not everybody's a fan of the church. And you don't have to go far to figure that out, whether it's a, a community leader or a politician that's mad that the church doesn't pay taxes, like every other nonprofit. And, and if we were to pay taxes, that would have an incredible impact on the influence and what, what it is that we can even do in the community. And we'll touch on that in a second. 
You know, so people don't like that. People maybe had a bad experience at church, which I'm so sorry if you did have that. So they don't like church because of a bad experience they had in the past. Maybe you don't like church because of, I don't know, you think the church is legalistic or, or we're too political or something along those lines. And we certainly try to avoid all of that. And so people have a hard time with the church outside. People have a hard time with the church inside of the church. And maybe they're unhappy about how much... Um, how, how we do our outreach ministry, how we do our children's ministry, how we do our student ministry. They're unhappy with, you know, just carpet colors and, and uh, the, the donut options that we have available. I don't know. People just can be unhappy. You know what I found? You can make yourself pretty miserable if you just focus on the 4 or 5% of anything that isn't very good. And everything's got 4 or 5% of it that isn't good. You, you want to make yourself uh, happy in your marriage? Stop focusing on that 4 or 5% of that other person that isn't very good. And focus on the 95% of them that's, that's pretty darn good and it's probably the reason why you married them anyway. That right there is enough for you to come to church, right there. Like just getting some, some, some perspective. Don't focus so much on that part of it that, that causes it to not be perfect. Focus on the part of it that maybe brought you into that relationship or brought you to that church or brought you to that job that you're in. So that's what we're going to do. I just want to share with you a little bit about why I love the church. Why years ago I started attending church and the church had such an impact on me that after a couple years I thought, you know what, I'm going to give my life to this thing. I'm going to share with you some positive things that we need to consider because the Bible tells us to do that. We just heard this verse. I'm going to share it with you again from Philippians chapter 4. This would do us all some good to just grab a hold of these words from the Apostle Paul. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And so for these next few moments, we're going to think about those such things. And so why do I love the church? I love the church, first of all, because I love its founder. I love the founder of the church. And the founder of the church wasn't Peter. It wasn't John. It wasn't Martin Luther or Martin Luther King. It wasn't Billy Sunday or Billy Graham. The founder of the church was Jesus of Nazareth. And so let me take you to Matthew chapter 16, and we'll read about that, that founding, that launching of the church right there. And I'll start here at the very beginning. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he's a far away from, as far away from Jerusalem as he'll take the disciples. He asked them, and I'd only encourage you to do this if you're a very secure person. Fortunately, Jesus was very secure. He says, who do people say that I am? Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they replied, some say, John the Baptist, others Elijah, still others Jeremiah, so you're a prophet, you're, you're a religious leader who's come back to life. But more importantly, what are you? What about you? Who do you say I am? Because inevitably, who you say Jesus is, is really all that matters. It's about you and you alone and your personal relationship. I heard someone say years ago, whenever they were in their 20s, they wanted to save the world. Whenever they were in their 30s, they wanted to save their family. Then whenever they finally got to their 40s and 50s, they realized the only person that they can really focus on being saved is themselves. Who do you say that he is? Simon Peter answered, you're the, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. Wow, what a profession of faith. And Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but my Father in heaven. And I tell you, Peter, on this rock, I will build my church. I love the church because I love the founder. 
Years ago, somebody asked me the question, what kind of church are you going to build? I don't know exactly how I answered, but I know how I should have answered. I should have said, I'm not going to build the church. In fact, Jesus has already been building it. He's been building it for a millennia. I'm just along for the ride. And I just, I just want to be used by him however he can use me. And so here I am. Hopefully do the work that he set aside for me to do. But what about you? Who do you say that he is? He loved the church. In fact, Ephesians 5 says, Christ loved the church so much that he gave himself up for her. Thanks for joining us on Hope for the Day. This is Pastor Philip Holland, and I come to you today with some bittersweet news. After four wonderful years of sharing the hope of Jesus through our sermons on Hope for the Day, it's time for us to say goodbye. But before we part ways, I want to extend my deepest gratitude to each and every one of you who has tuned in week after week, allowing our messages to resonate in your hearts and your lives. Your support has been so valued by our team, and I'm so grateful for the ways that God has used this ministry. Now, as we close this chapter, I want to remind you that our mission does not end here. You can still access our sermons, delve deeper into our community, and find biblical resources and support on our website at valleyviewcc.com. And better yet, join us in person at one of our Sunday services at 8 a.m., 9.30 a.m., or 11 a.m. Now, the reason that we're making this change is entirely strategic. We're excited about what we have coming up, and that has led us as a church to make an adjustment in our approach to this media ministry of ours. And so as we do something new going forward, I want you to keep your eyes open for the Valley View Christian Church podcast, where we'll continue to share sermons, interviews, and uplifting messages in new and exciting ways. So friends, as we bid farewell to this season of Hope for the Day, I just want to thank you again for being a part of our community, and may you always remember the hope that we have in Jesus. Now at times you'll hear people say things like, you know, get, I love Jesus. Give me Jesus, but don't give me the church. Or, or I just don't like organized religion, or my church is nature. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go off into the woods, and that's where my church is going to, going to be. And, and there really are some problems with that. First of all, Jesus said he's going to build his church, and he's defining his relationship with the church. I'm going to quickly take you through that relationship and a few symbols that he gives us. But the thing I want you to notice is that all of these symbols are visible, tangible things like what we've got right here. And I know, I know there's a universal church. There's a very spiritual church that transcends culture and nature and goes all throughout the world. But what we are doing here is not a bad thing. So, for example, some of the symbols that he gives us <clears throat> to help us understand his relationship that he has with the church. First of all, Jesus says that he is going to be building on a foundation that is his church. First Peter chapter 2, verse 5 and 6 says this, of this building that's going to be a building, like a literal building that's going to be on a foundation. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God <clears throat> through Jesus Christ, a chosen, who is the chosen and precious cornerstone of that church. The second symbol of Jesus' relationship to the church is this, is that they're going to be, the church will be a head and a body, again, a very visible structure that's put together. Ephesians 5 verse 23 says, Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. 
The third symbol of Jesus' relationship to the church is of a groom who loves his bride. Again, a very visible thing that is seen. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. That's, what, that's how he views the church, with that kind of love. I've done a lot of weddings. And, and it's always interesting to me to see how the, the groom is going to interact with the bride at the wedding. Uh, some years ago, I had a wedding in which the, the bride was coming up the aisle, and, and the emotions got the best of her. And then that happens. But, but she couldn't get out of it. It kept, it kept seemingly getting worse and worse, and she was so emotional. And, and she, she couldn't wait to be married, but just the moment, it got the best of her, and she just couldn't get out of it. And so she comes to the front, and, and everybody was very gracious and loving. But eventually there came a point in the ceremony where we realized she wasn't going to come out of it. And, and it just kept getting worse and worse and worse. And then stuff's coming out of her nose and the tears. And then the groom is, her face was contorted and the groom's face was contorted. And, and people are getting embarrassed. And then they're staring at me like, I did anything. I didn't do anything. I didn't say yes. I mean, I'm just, a, I'm just along for the ride at that point. And so she's crying and stuff's coming out of her nose. And then he looks at the, finally it comes that point in which the groom has to kiss the bride. Oh, shoot. So he looks at her, and, and in just this um, holy, God-ordained moment, better than I would have ever done, he just reaches over and he grabs, his, he grabs his wife by the face, and he begins to wipe everything off of her and does all that. And then he leans in and he gives her a big kiss. And everybody cheers and hoops and hollered because it's finally over with. <laughs> but one day Jesus is going to return. And, and the church isn't perfect. And he's going to see that. But the Bible said he's going to wipe away every tear from our eyes. And all the hurt that is there will now have healing. And where there was once pain and death, there will be life and health. And he's going to wipe it all away. As a loving groom could only do for his bride. And friends, what I'm saying is, is that the church, we're like that. We're a mess. And we, we allow the church to, we, we as a church, we allow our emotions to get the best of us. And we don't always present the best self. But because we're a part of this, where we are right now, we get to stay on that path that he has for us. Now, again, people will say they don't need this, but I'm telling you that they do. I had a friend of mine from a previous church. He was an elder there. And he, say, he just said, you know, I'm tired of this. I'm tired of people telling me what to do. I'm tired of them saying what, what it is that I need to believe. And, and really what we would do is we would come alongside and say, man, you're drinking too much. You're an elder of the church. You shouldn't be running around cussing like that. And he didn't like any of that. And, and we weren't trying to like be legalistic and to say none of that stuff was ever appropriate. It was just, it was just over the top. And then he was started challenging different things. And, and then he drifted away and he started a little house church and and that's not a thing anymore. Now he just kind of does whatever and seemingly believes whatever. And I just have example after example after example of that. And I'm not saying house churches are bad. Maybe in America, I think this is the best bet we got. 
Sure, if you're in the Middle East or in China, you need to be in a house church. There, there's reasons for that. But, but being in a situation like this with governance and structure, and, and yeah, I know we got budgets and we got business stuff, but, but there's so much good that is here. It helps frame people in to say, you know what, yes, there's a lot of freedom that is in Christ, but there's an edge if you go over that guardrail that you don't want to go over. When Jesus looked at the church, churches in Revelation, you want to know what Jesus thinks about the church, and you start, you just look at Revelation, because he actually speaks into seven local churches. And you know what he doesn't say? You know what he doesn't say? He doesn't say, why are you guys meeting together? You should just let me be enough for you. Because that's what we say. Why don't you, he doesn't say go out in the woods and worship out there. He doesn't say that. You know what he does? He looks at all of them and he says, man, this is what you're doing that's good. A couple of them, you're just doing what's good. And you're dealing with some serious persecution right now. And I love you for that. And you're being faithful. And then some of the others, like Ephesus, he doesn't get on them about their programming. And he doesn't get on them about their music. He doesn't get on them about their location or about their budget. You know what he gets on them about? He says, you lost your first love. Man, you got all your orthodoxy right, but you don't love people anymore. And you really don't love me anymore. You want to know what Jesus really thinks of the church and, and what it is that we need to be focused on? Just read those churches. Hi, this is Pastor Philip Holland of Valley View Christian Church speaking, and today I come to you with a mix of gratitude and also for reflection. After four remarkable years of sharing sermons and faith-based conversations on Hope for the Day, it's time for us as a church to close this chapter. And the reason that we are doing this is entirely strategic. We want more people to receive the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so as we are doing that, we're going to shift towards more of a podcast format. But before we part ways, I want to take a moment to express my deepest thanks to each and every one of you who has been a part of our journey. Your faithfulness in listening, engaging, and spreading hope has been nothing short of inspiring, and I'm immensely grateful for your support. Now, as we prepare to bid farewell to this radio show, I want to remind you that our message of hope and faith will continue to shine brightly. You can still connect with us and explore more of our church community at our website, valleyviewcc.com. There you'll find sermons, resources, and opportunities to deepen your spiritual journey. And also, once again, you can follow our Valley View Christian Church podcast, where you'll continue to find sermons, interviews, and other uplifting messages in a brand new format. Now, as we embark on this new chapter, let us carry the hope of Jesus with us wherever we go. Thank you for being a part of this community, and may the grace of God continue to guide and bless you abundantly. He, he looks at a few of them, like Pergamum, and he's saying that you are allowing sexual immorality to just be rampant in your church. You, this, is, this isn't a good example. He looks at another church and he says, you're lukewarm. He looks at another church and he says, you've got a spiritual lethargy about you. Yeah, you believe the right things, but, but you just, you've got to do more than that. He looks at, he looks at the, the church in Laodicea and he says, you are so caught up in materialism, which is a lot of us, that I am not the priority in your life that I should be. That's what he's saying to the local church. So when I read that, I see that as an endorsement of what we've got here. I also see it as a challenge to make him 
to make him preeminent in our life. I also see it as an encouragement to say we need each other. That's what the apostle Paul or whoever wrote Hebrews, apostle Paul or whoever it was, said, don't give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Instead, encourage one another. Jesus loves the church. And so I love the church because I love the founder of the church. You know another reason why I love the church and why I want to encourage you to love the church is because of its positive influence. It has a positive influence on individuals. It has a positive influence on the community. Let's go back to what Jesus said in Matthew 16 again. He says there, beginning in verse 17. Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I, and I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. He, he looks at Peter and he says, Peter, that profession, this launching of the church is going to go out and it's going to make a difference. A gate is a, is a defensive instrument and that is what Hades is. That is what hell is. The church is meant to take down that. The church is meant to be on the offensive, taking down that defensive uh, instrument that is in place that is trying to protect the darkness. No, no, we go in and we shine the light into that darkness. And that's what Peter did. If, if you read just the first few chapters in the book of Acts, he, he goes into Jerusalem, he preaches a sermon, lots of people come to faith in the Lord. And then a few chapters later, John and him are going into the temple and they see a, they see a lame man there. And, they, and the man asked for some things and, and, they, and they said, hey, I don't, I don't have any money, but what I do have, I'm gonna give you. And they healed him in the name of Jesus. Not in their name, my name or anybody else's name or their own names in the name of Jesus. And that man's life was changed and that community was beginning to be changed. And as a result of that, we are here today. Now, as we think about what the impact the church makes in our world today, I want to share with you a few stats. These are uh, validated stats. This is empirical data of the impact a local church has on a community. The average size church congregation of 200 to 400 mem members will bring $4.2 million annually to area businesses. Certainly that depends on the location of the church. Ours is a little more regional. We don't have as many businesses to impact here. But if you're in more of a, uh, a setting where there's business around there, that business is gonna, those businesses are going to benefit from that church. For poverty alleviation, the average small church invests around $140,000 a year into its community. And we do that through a variety of different missions partners. We do that through that, but through benevolence. Other churches are doing that to help alleviate poverty. Now, when, for those proponents that say the churches need to be taxed, I would say they shouldn't do that because what's going to happen is as soon as we get taxed, then all of the things that we do for the community begin to be pulled back and other things get pulled back as well. Churches are statistically, number three, proven to decrease crime rates in the communities that they are in. And then an average-sized church congregation adds community services, elderly care, recovery, alcohol recovery programs or addiction recovery programs, after-school mentoring. Those community services equivalent of $115,009 a year. Churches make an incredible impact. And that's why we're here. Because there were martyrs hundreds of years ago who laid their life down because of what they believed. And it was the blood of the martyrs that became the seed of the church. And then there were plagues and there were diseases. And these people who were believers in these pagan religions 
We're running out of the towns to avoid those diseases because they had no faith. Their gods weren't showing up. And then you know what happened? As they're running out of the cities, the Christians who have hope beyond this life are running into the city to care for the dying, the sick. Is there anything worse than dying alone? Probably, but not many things. And they're running into those cities to care and to love for those people who are gonna die, even if it meant they might die. But that was an opportunity to tell somebody about Jesus. That was an opportunity to tell somebody that this life isn't all that there is, and that through faith in him, they can have hope beyond this life, even in spite of the disease and the death that was inevitable. Well, really for all of us. And that took over an entire empire and turned it upside down and ultimately led to Christianity being legalized. You see that in England, when William Wilberforce, because of his faith in Jesus, looked at slavery and said... Well, unfortunately, we have to bring today's message to a close. But my hope is that the word that was spoken was an encouragement to you. That's always our hope here at Hope for the Day. Did you know that these messages are recorded at Valley View Christian Church every Sunday? And if you're here in the Denver metropolitan area, we'd love to have you attend one of our Sunday services at Valley View Christian Church. We have Sunday service times at 8 a.m., 9.30 a.m., and 11 a.m. And we'd love to have you come and attend one of those services and be with us. And I, Pastor Philip Holland, would love to meet you in person. And also remember that the Hope for the Day broadcast is available on your favorite podcast provider. So we look forward to having you again with us on Hope for the Day.